listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. Okay, I'm just going to come right out of the gates with this. Sam Smith was not the first openly gay actor to win right. or person to win an Oscar. Thank you for clarifying that. We yeah. knew that. We really did know that. We were just it going just, off of what felt, you said at the, in, at the Oscars. It felt weird, but it was like, well, because, I mean, it was a good statement. I mean, it is still a thing to be celebrated that somebody who's openly gay is winning awards when there's a stigma that, not necessarily stigma, but it's not as common. Mm-hmm. Um because he is in the minority there, but it's like, well, Elton John won an Oscar and he's openly gay and was openly gay at the time. Dustin yeah. Lance Black threw so much shade at Sam Smith for yeah. saying that. There too. were, I think there were a few. I can't remember oh, all the top yeah. off my head, but I do remember Elton John being a big one. Mm-hmm. But to be corrected, though, he misquoted Ian McKellen because Ian yes. McKellen is referring to no openly gay actor. Even mm-hmm. though Ian McKellen's quote is somewhat vague, Ian McKellen being an actor himself, he was referring to the acting community. Yeah, correct, and that's absolutely I believe true. actually what Ian McKellen actually said to him was, "You should have won the first gay Oscar when you had the chance." <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I love. That that was our movie quote you shouldn't say during sex was, <laughs> you should have killed me when you had the chance. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Jesus. Okay, good that we got that out of the way. Okay. Yeah. What other what other Oscar stuff do we need to talk about that we didn't talk about in the actual episode? No. <laughs> oh, the the um the uh, uh the death award. Oh god, what's it called? Abe Vigoda. The Abe Vigoda <laughs> got fucking snuffed. I, I actually think wow. In memoriam. Death reel. The death reel. <laughs> I like how folks, let's just recap this for a moment. It went from the death award. <laughs> To the death reel. You won best death. Congratulations. <laughs> to In Memoriam. That was for you, Steven. <laughs> Steven Rosenberg at Motion Picture Meltdown. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to let you have a minute, but David Bowie had the best death. <laughs> That's why he's 16, y'all. <laughs> oh, my God. No, okay. Not only did they forget Abe Bogota, but they forgot um, George... George, yeah, George Lewis, who's Juliet's Lewis' father. Do it. Yeah, we talked Lewis. about that. We talked about that on the episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm still yeah. burned about that. Hmm. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, I love George Lewis. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know the man from Adam, but I like him. Yeah, I think we kind of. I think other than that small correction, well, we're I mean, kind of were, out of the Oscars at this point. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of controversy about Chris Rock and that Price Waterhouse Cooper's joke, and yeah. Um, certain things along those lines just but can't make anyone happy. we definitely had to clarify that sam smith one that was just more like oh wait a minute can we just say i though? don't i don't want to like forget any other openly gay person and it's sad award. because it's his like least liked performance like ever yeah. he even said it he's like that was my worst performance of all time yeah well yeah he sucked speaking about chris rock mm-hmm. for a moment we are living in an age that if you if you burp the wrong way you will have a thousand social media posts about how this is so offensive, this is rude, he should never be able to work again, mm-hmm. hashtag this is my cause now, you know. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't claim ownership of that one. That was from a blog where I basically read that we were being raised as a generation of pussies. Mm-hmm. So yep. again, True. not my words, the words of that blog. I get political correctness, but at the same time, there's also freedom of expression. Too, and that's what Chris Rock was doing. He was they were doing it to make people laugh, and and not very many people laughed. And it was also people are have the complete right to express that they were pissed off about the joke. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. That's I the know. Thing. I think we're living in a society where 
people are on are, are living with megaphones attached to their mouths mm-hmm. in a exactly. way that they it's we've always been easily offended we've just never had this kind of platform before to yeah. express these kinds of opinions i mean and this is this is probably the most serious this episode's going to get but um i will say that if you have the frame of expression you must also grant other people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. we can't um, automatically assume that what they said was the worst possible intention of it and clearly oh, yeah. when you're when you're a comedian hosting an event your job is to make people laugh was it ill-timed and did it suck as a joke absolutely oh i think it well it landed super flat and i think it's interesting because a lot of people are also bringing up sasha barry cohen's joke and with the ali g character and the way it was done it was absolutely done as satire does um, he just keep those in his, i don't in know his, like well he bag or something he, he what, he that. directly went against what the producers wanted by going out in character. Like you know what, though, you yeah. know what fell even more flat. Stacy Dash. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we we talked about that too. That that just made absolutely no sense in that thing. I, but, the funny oh. thing was, it didn't fall flat with me at first, just because I had had some champagne <laughs> and I had smoked. I had smoked some of the pots. You smoked some green and, champagne. But when she came out, I just started erupting in laughter with Katie, just going like. Ah! That's fucking Stacey Dash. Her existence is hilarious. And that's the only reason that I was really entertained by it. And right. then when I realized what the joke was, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. It was just funny to see Stacey Dash. Yeah. Your it's existence Dion. is hilarious. <laughs> it's Dion. 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 She will always be Dion. She will. I mean, well, it was kind of her only yeah. real acting job. Let's be real here. She was the one the one character next to Wallace Shawn's character, mm. who car- one actor who carried over from the movie to the TV show, yeah. other than Twink Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Who's the the other teacher? The well, female. No, I love the, that the you girl... remember that the teacher's real name is Twink Kaplan. That may be no, 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 the no, most the... obscure reference. It's awesome. The girl who played Amber in that show also carried over to the. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Amber did too. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So three. And sh- so yeah. four actors from did a whole mess of actors. Donald Faison. No, did Donald right? Faison did too. Everybody yeah. but Cher, pretty much. Actually, Brian. Well, Cher and, and Murphy. her father. And Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd. Okay, fine. So and Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy didn't. Yeah, she didn't end up in the show. No, Ty was kind of a much smaller character in the yeah. TV show. Yeah. No, Brittany movie. Murphy had pills to eat. Oh my and god! Wow. <laughs> so hashtag benefit of the doubt. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, so. I, I like I I can't help but feel like maybe Chris Rock was also trying to go for some satire and it just didn't work. But I'm obviously not in his brain, and I it to me to me personally it came across in bad taste. Like. I didn't. I thought it was playing on a stereotype, and it it fell flat with me too. I was just kind of like, "Oh, that didn't feel good." But mm. but the Ali G. Sasha Baron Cohen one did because I thought it was by you know by calling out all those Asian stereotypes, but then saying no, it's I'm talking about minions. It's one of those those little twist things that goes like you you need to get your mind straight. It's not me. Yep. Mm-hmm. So for that one, I kind of appreciate the satire in that one, but the Chris Rock one just didn't work. Yeah, in a way, he almost saved the gag mm-hmm. because he made it. He did it in a way that was funny. Yeah. And yeah. Chris Rock did it in a way that pissed Speaking off a lot of, of people. Saving gags. How many of you guys had to choke up some tears when you found out that Alan Rickman died? Uh, uh, that was a hard one, too, because that was... I had woken up early yeah. because it was the day of the Oscar nomination announcement. Ugh. And Dave had woken up early. He was making waffles. It was really, really cute. Aww. We, we had a roomy wow. moment. But that he was the one who told me, I'm like... Oh. You guys had a Shrek and Donkey moment. <laughs> I'm making waffles. In the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was the one who told me, and it was... I didn't like cry like I did when I, when I found out that Robin Williams had passed away. Um, at least not at first. It was just a real downer. It was, the whole day was just fuck. 
Yeah. Email. I just saw a bunch of um, images on my Facebook feed of that one uh, scene from Harry Potter of uh, Snape holding Lily. And uh, the yeah. caption is always. Yeah. And it's like talking about how much he loved Harry Potter. And I'm just like, ah. Yeah. I have a thing that when my alarm clock goes off and after I've hit snooze three times, I roll over, grab my phone, and check Facebook. I think you're like, I roll over and I cry about Alan Rickman. <laughs> I just, I've been doing it every day <laughs> for the Thetic. past 10 years. He didn't even actually have to be dead. I just rolled over and cried and said, Alan Rickman's so awesome. <laughs> I really hope he doesn't die anytime soon. <laughs> and then he was Dead. Damn it! <laughs> no, I uh, I rolled over and I was already feeling depressed about Bowie. Like that, oh, I still oh. hadn't gotten over Bowie. Mm. And then I and then I saw Alan Rickman and I was just instantly like, "Well, I don't want to get out of bed now. <laughs> Here I am for the rest of the day. I'm not going to work. I'm going to sit in bed because the world sucks now." Oh. Yeah. How about you, Sean. I got the text from either Brian or Dave. Was it on the Nerdonomy thread? Is when I think so. Some of us found out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I just was like, oh man, because I figured he had plenty of more. I didn't, you know, he wasn't that old, and I figured he had a lot more roles. And I, it, I was a huge fan of him in Die Hard, but then I became an even more huge fan of him because of Dogma. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, no one just, knew he was it's sick. It's still, it's. I don't believe it. It's and does he have any movies that haven't come out yet that they're going to release? He has two. Okay, sweet. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Roxy Noberry. And I'm Sean Moriarty. Yes. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) I am the Metatron. (laughs) The voice of the one true God. (laughs) Jesus. Did you have to use the hell can? Um, Hail Hydra. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Fuck. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, this is this is a depressing episode. Um, I mean, and truth be told, like there is a way better way of eulogizing Alan Rickman. Yeah. If you listen to the Hollywood Babylon that Kevin Smith produces, that was done like two or three days after he died, he gives an incredibly heartfelt eulogy that I guarantee you, if you listen, you will get teary eyed because he had a he only worked with him like once, but they had a very long friendship that lasted since they had done Dogma together and. It was actually listening to his take on on his life and listening to his mm. feeling of loss that got me emotional. Oh God, about, Brian, you're tearing up talking about. I know. I'm not getting like <laughs> stuffing emotional. I'm just saying. I'm just getting a little glassy eyed because it was a very very moving eulogy. And stuffing it's like, emotional sounds so dirty though, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, truth be told, a good eulogy does make you feel emotional because you you <laughs> a feel good you googly. <laughs> yeah. Makes you feel what? I said a good you googly. A you googlizer, Brian. I cannot hear the word eulogy without thinking you googly. Oh, God, I saw Zoolander 2 and I was so disappointed, but that's for another day. That's another day. Yeah, let's not speak of that. So let's have a you googly off. You know how you talk about having a Rickman off? Let's have a you googly off. Let's see if we can outdo Mr. Smith. A you googlizer? I can be a good you googlizer. I'm kidding, Brian. We're not going to outdo anyone. This is a moment. This is a moment of grief, and we're here to honor a man's legacy. Yeah, I mean, Alan Rickman has done such a wide variety of roles. Um, even though I think he's, you know, so prominently known for playing villainous types, Snape, uh, Snape, well, Snape, Snape, Hans Gruber. I mean, mm-hmm. Hans Gruber himself, like that character, changed the way villains are done in movies. Like it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, half of that role was just him and his 
freaking amazing voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to go off from that and then play the sheriff in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. No Christmas. <laughs> and and the fact that, so you know, he when he got cast in that role, he said that, well, first of all, he turned it down like a few times. And then he said, fine, I'll do it. But you have to let me do it my way. And he basically got free reign of the character to do whatever he wanted and, again, made another iconic villain. I mean, J.K. Rowling based her written character of Snape off of Rickman. Yeah. And Rickman almost didn't get the role because the studio wanted Tim Roth. Mm -hmm. And that was Uh. Tim Roth who actually recommended... Or no, he bailed because he went to go do something. Yeah, he else. went to go do something. And other film. and he said you should actually get Alan Rickman. It's incredible to yeah. me. Yeah. It's just yeah. like And I think it's interesting too because yes, he's, even though he's known for playing those darker roles, Snape is one of his best roles because that character is far too complex to label him as a villain. Well, no, he's not he's not a villain. He's just I mean, from what I know of Harry Potter, which is not that much, but mm. is he, he's kind of like does this double agent thing. Mm. And well, he's, he's kind of an anti-hero. He's yeah. total anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like it was great to have like one of his last great roles. Mm. And I shouldn't say his last role because people are tons of people are going to write, write in and say, no, he did this, 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 this. I, know. I don't know about tons of people, Brian. Probably <clears> like three. <laughs> no, three is the, tons for us. All of the Harry Potter fans will love it. All the, all the Pottermores. So, Gina will yeah. certainly write in. Oh, I'm sure. God. I love you, Gina. Um, it's so funny because when I had found out about his death, I had just literally watched um, the last film he directed, which was called A Little Chaos. And it stars uh, Kate Winslet and Matthias Schoenartz, this really great Swedish actor. Um, and uh, go see Rest and Bone, you guys. It's a really great French film with Marion Cotillard and, and that actor I just mentioned. It's awesome. But I digress. Um, and it, uh, A Little Chaos is a really beautifully done independent film about Louis Fourteenth. And guess who plays Louis Fourteenth? Mr. Rickman. <laughs> he played it with such delicacy. I mm-hmm. guess that's the best way to put it. You know, very delicate, very, very kind, very soft, very... Um, there, there was just a quaintness about his portrayal. Sure. And, and I love the fact that he directed it, too, because there's such a beautiful image to the film. It's such a beautiful, beautifully executed um, love story to that period, that time frame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, France and uh, strong women, too. Because yeah. Kate Winslet's character is a force to be reckoned with. So I think that's a really great way to go out as far as, you know, we look at Rickman's career and it's been so long, right? Yep. And to have this chance to really just... Be the artist that we all know as Rick, you know, Alan Rickman. Like, he is so renowned, he can do no wrong. Sure. Totally. I mean, a, an acting career so long, but one started actually considerably, not considerably, but fairly late in life. Yeah. For when people start acting. He didn't start acting until he was 28. I know, but that's that's literally like, okay, the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s. Oh, yeah. No, 2000s. I mean, like, it's a great, I mean, great yeah. decades long career, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, Isn't most that- people start when they're very young and he was like he just he was a graphic he was a graphic designer who just enjoyed theater so much he decided to go to acting school right right he graduated (laughs) from rada and then immediately jumped into the british acting scene Mm -hmm. on stage and i loved how he deferred to theater most of the time instead of doing film yeah his theater was happy happy place Yeah. yeah that's true and uh i mean even though i had never seen him on stage i knew that about him it's a different mindset though i think with a lot of british actors and someone please correct me on this if i'm if i'm off base here but um because english culture has a much higher respect for theater and it's like supported (laughs) in that (laughs) culture it's easier brian it's it's like you don't really work your way up in the acting business 
in England unless you've, one, had legit training, and two, you've worked on stage mm -hmm. before you were going to television and film. So, I mean, I guarantee everybody who's been on BBC America, who, who you've seen from whatever shows are ported over from the UK, they have at least one West End credit on nice. their uh, resume. It's kind of like how in Hollywood you start on the casting couch. In England, <laughs> not everybody. Start on the theater. Not everybody does. Not that. most people, but not everybody. Are <laughs> you kidding me? Hollywood's full of whores. England has some, you know, has some Jesus. dignity. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Wow. We just saw the Oscars. I mean, that room was full of them. I'm sorry, Leo. Excuse me. You said yeah. he was grasping that Oscar like he would never let go. Did you see? By the way, it's quick tangent. White. Quick tangent. Did you see I, what he said to the engraver? Yeah, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> what did he see? He goes, so um, he goes up to the engraver and says, oh, you, "You do this every year." Yeah, I wouldn't know because I want it now. <laughs> oh my god, it was so funny. funny. <laughs> so oh, shit. can I talk about another one of my favorite Ellen Rickman roles that is just amazing? Duh. Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoa, Sean, did you have to? No, I was like, don't something? say it. Oh. Galaxy Quest. Oh, God damn it. Yes. <laughs> By Grapthar's Hammer. And uh, you know what I what love about savings. <laughs> Galaxy Quest is the first. I knew Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber pretty much. Until Galaxy Quest came out when I was like, oh my god, this guy's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and he ended up having funnier roles after that. Right after that was Dogma and then um, The Search for John Gissing. Did you guys ever see that? No. No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, he kind of plays a little more of a slapsticky character in that too. But yeah. Sarah, go on. Oh, I'm just... Uh, honestly, I just love the fact that he is so deadpan in that movie. And is just like... Just like throughout most of that movie, yeah. he's just like fucking kill me now like is that's just his <laughs> subtext of like i am too good for this why the hell am i here mm -hmm. and and just the way it comes through with just his little with his british attitude mm -hmm. like juxtaposed to like tim allen's like very americanness it just yeah. it just felt God damn it, that movie's so good. Yeah, it's like it's if good. James Bond and Archer were had to be like teamed up. Right? Well, <laughs> something like that. I mean, I, I've got to say, I mean, my favorite of Rickman's is Dogma, and that's no surprise yep. to anybody well, yeah. in this room. And I'll talk about his Metatron in a moment. And you're a big Potter fan too, Brian. That's I, crazy. I do like him you're and Snape. Potterhead. There's actually two other Rickman films I want to mention. Ooh. First of all, actually three. One, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, just eager beaver. You 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 can't <laughs> you can't talk about Rickman and not talk about Truly Madly Deeply, which Aww. was written and directed by Angley Mangella, and he plays the ghost of a husband um, who had recently passed away. But he goes and basically haunts his wife, and they spend some time together. And it's them. Isn't that the plot of that of that um, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I was like and, ghost or the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Guys, Anthony Mangella is. Dead director, not Skeletor, right? <laughs> Correct. That would yes. be Frank. Okay, so that's be Frank Langella. <laughs> that's Frank Langella. You guys covered that Langella. already. This is a new thing. I'm just gonna make a Frank Langella related joke every time we answer. I'm sorry, real quick. The Robert Downey Jr. movie Heart and Souls has nothing to do with what he said. Nothing. Nothing like that whatsoever. <laughs> just so, just so we're clear, because you're like Robert Downey Jr. No. I'm like Casper no, has no, no, similarities. No, no. Those are a bunch of people who died on a bus who just get attacked to Robert Downey Jr. Fuck. and they can't pass on to the um, next life until they complete all of their. Yeah, this is not use him. quite. Like I love that. Heart and Souls. That yeah. movie's amazing, but that's not I what we're talking even, about. So that's why I brought it up. I was like, maybe Sarah can vouch no. me on this. <laughs> no. Speaking of passing on, Brian, continue your thought. <laughs> Sorry. So that that's the first one. Yeah. 
the second one was another one done early in his career uh, called An Awfully Big Adventure. Oh. And uh, if, for those who are fans of British plays, you will know that Peter that quote Pan. comes from Peter Pan. Mm. Uh, and it, it's a story about this young girl who joins a, uh, a British theater company circa World War II. And she is cast in, she's not playing Peter Pan, but she's cast as one of the, I think, one of the, the darling children. And uh, the whole thing is about this touring company who works really hard. They do two weeks rehearsal, then they do another show. Two weeks rehearsal, doing another show. And uh, Hugh Grant's in it, too. He plays this very aloof, prickish. Um, he plays Hugh Grant. He plays Hugh Grant. <laughs> well, see, Hugh, Hugh Grant has two flavors. He's got, like, aloof and prickish, and then he's also got, he's got like, self over over. He's got wow. Grant, Grant, a regular this is, Grant. This is a, this. <laughs> you know, I would love, I'd love this to go in a straight line, but this is, a, this is a corkscrew down a mountain road. We get the is... the busted with a prostitute. I can't. I cannot focus. God damn it. Brian, um, I swear to God, I will let you get through this. I just, okay. I need to be reined in. So at, at any rate, Rickman plays this actor who is, uh, he's brought in middle of the film okay. to replace an actor. And he's a traveling actor. And he, he's this guy who, he ends up playing Captain Hook. Um, yes. And they actually do take a monologue from the J.M. Barry Peter Pan of him monologuing as Hook. And so he gets to play two roles. He gets to play the actor who is this guy who basically left the life behind of following his love like his like his wife and having a wife and having kids to pursue his dream so there's that element and you see a moment where he finds he runs into a woman who he used to be in love with who has already moved on and it's just, it's heartbreaking Aww. utterly heartbreaking you have that but he also gets to play fucking captain hook and he's brilliant in that one scene as captain hook like I wish he had played him in a Peter Pan adaptation, a real like a, a full one, because he would have been amazing mm-hmm. in that part. Um, Mate, you could have taken Sean's, some pointers. Huh? Sean's waving like he wants to say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was mimicking Brian's gesticulating because I can't see his face. All I can see is the very pronounced hand. <laughs> are, are you see, are you seeing me slowly inch away so I don't get hit? Yeah, uh, I see you a little bit. Like, <laughs> oh, um, like wait, okay, Brian. Uh, what was your Hugh Grant point? What what are his two flavors? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'll let you. Get aloof through. and prickish. There's a, there's aloof and prickish is one flavor. Uh-huh. The other flavor is self deprecating and insecure. Like those are the. Oh. Hi. And both ways, he I'm has sorry. floppy hair. Hi. Yes. Yeah, floppy '90s hair. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, floppy. 90s speaking of the hair the self, drapes. Speaking yeah. of the self deprecating and insecure Hugh Grant, he's also in that version of Hugh Grant. That flavor of Hugh Grant is in Sense and Sensibility, which Rickman was also oh, in. Oh, God, I love that movie. Yes, oh, Vanessa so introduced it to me recently. And Rickman is great. That's like a brilliant, like, he plays stoic so yeah. well as the colonel in that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and he plays basically a colonel who is born of privilege, who uh, he's definitely, you know how in Jane Austen, the stories, there's always this one character who represents complete... Uh, altruism? Yeah. Not really. The colonel is that character. Sean's <laughs> <laughs> like, Sean's like, like, oh, no, dick Sean, all about Jane Austen. I'm a straight white male. I don't know this Jane Austen you speak of. <laughs> That's not compute. <laughs> That's Who's not com- Jane Austen? Was she Steve Austen's sister, the million dollar man? <laughs> Can I tell you? Didn't she write that mafia movie I, 20 I, years ago? <laughs> I hate to do this. I hate to call him out, but Reed, um, like twice now, he's been, Reed's my boyfriend. He Like twice now, he's been like, Jane Austen, Jane, did she write Jane Eyre? And I'm like, no, that's that's Charlotte Bronte. 
You can't oh. blame the guy for mixing this up. <laughs> and then he's like, wait a minute. Then, wait, weren't there two Bronte? Yeah, the Bronte sisters. There was Charlotte Bronte who wrote Jane Eyre. And then Emily Bronte who wrote Wuthering Heights. And Jane Austen who wrote Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. Let's just... Read a book. That's <laughs> just read, semantics. Read the books. Read, read the book. books. <laughs> Take a look. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow, motherfucker. Yes, we will, we will eventually do Landed Gentry and Their Women, the episode. And they'll cover all oh that territory God. pretty Landed much. That's Gentry a lot. and Their Women. Yeah. That's a hey, lot. Hey, I'm going to bring my vibrator. That'll be a great show. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, wow. hey, going back to college for a second. I was... This is a weird Wait, thing. Wait, why are we going back to college? Yeah, fuck this. Rickman! Even though I used my vibrator a lot in college. Continue. Um, well, I was just going to mention, since we were on the subject of Jane Austen, Emma, when we... Oh. Yeah. Because I was your makeup artist for and Emma. I was the um, key wench, or the... Uh, not wench. Uh, yeah, I was an old maid. You were the old maid. I was yeah. Miss Bates, the old yeah. maid. Her English accent, by the way, is very good. God. And I had to make her look very old. And, uh, Indubitably. Yeah, yeah I was I was the old person in the makeup crew because I knew how to do age. a toothbrush full of white paint in my hair every night. <laughs> For two weeks. <laughs> and you looked good, darling. Yeah. You looked real then. good. I All never right. asked where the white paint came from. Sean. Anyway, back to Alan Rickman. <laughs> Sean. Yes. What are some of your favorite roles that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, no, we already touched on all of them. Galaxy Quest, of course, Die Hard, Dogma. Uh, I liked him in Prince of Thieves, even mm. though I don't like Prince of Thieves. No, it's a terrible movie, but he's great. <laughs> Kevin Costner's butt needed some primping. Uh, his accent needed some primping. His, uh, his everything needed his, some I mean, go, his dad Don't bod. get me started oh, on Kevin oh, okay. Costner. Here's one that people kind of forget about, even though this movie is pretty recent. This motherfucker played Ronald Reagan in yes. Lee Daniels, the butler. That's, That's right. That's right. And he did a yeah. good job. Hell yeah. 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 Back I to think Prince his accent broke in just a bit, but he still pulled it off because he had the facial expressions. Yeah. Like the oh, dead inside fa- I, facial and expressions. The, and the like, kind of like the jowly talk to it. Like, yeah, you just, know. He just kind of did just a really good can job. I, can I just say one quick thing about Prince of Thieves before we move on? Yeah. That what totally took me out of the film, other than Kevin Costner, <laughs> Were the rock Slater. mullets that they had, the sheriff wearing, that Robin had, and that Will Scarlet was wearing for oh, yeah. the entire movie. Oh, yeah. It made no sense. It was like a complete postmodern mm-hmm. choice. Will was... Scarlet O'Hara. O'Hara. We're from Georgia. We're from Georgia. <laughs> hey, Empire Georgia, you from? South <laughs> Central? South Central? Uh, oh, my God. Speaking of awesome cameo-ish kind of roles, mm-hmm. um, did you guys ever see this movie called Perfume? The story Yes! Of oh, my God. Murder? I'm so happy you mentioned it because I was going to talk about it. One of my favorite movies um, it's, I like of all time. It's a, first of all, yeah. kind of like it's interesting in that it almost starts off like fairy tale-ish, then all of a sudden just gets super twisted. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's um, fucked up. <laughs> it is super fucked up. So if you guys don't know the plot, because I don't, I feel like this one wasn't as popular. But it's underrated. It yeah. was an independent film in Europe. I mean, yeah, yeah. it got some American exposure, but not much. Well, I mean, first of all, Dustin Hoffman's in it. So. Yeah. And it was the debut of Ben Wishaw. Yeah. So, so he's the new Q in James Bond. It's this, uh, this kid who basically has this gift that he has like hyper sense of smell kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's a period piece and he um he gets kind of obsessed with wanting to preserve the scent of a, of a woman or the scent of like her soul like, her essence it, it, the sense of life yeah anything, the essence of what beauty yeah. and love is because his whole thing was he wanted to be loved because mm-hmm. he had never received any form of love his right. entire life he's an orphan birth. yeah um, and he starts working with this perfumer dustin yeah. hoffman such a great performance. and then and then the the kid basically starts 
murdering women mm-hmm. and like trying like to, you do like yeah like you do trying <laughs> and then like wraps their bodies and tries to like pull their oils yeah. out and their essence to try and like perfume and bottle this smell of feminine life and all this other yeah. stuff and then ellen rickman is the guy who's trying to hunt down the serial killer right so it's yeah. very again very, very interesting very dark. Yeah, yeah very it's dark like oh that smooth, movie has yeah. ben wishaw in it too the guy who that's was the said. new q in the bond that's movies and was literally the what, girl. that's literally what Roxy Shanti, just said. that's literally what? word for word what yeah. i said oh said jesus i'm so sorry ago. well i was looking it up while you were talking <laughs> which is fun <fucked laughs> oh i'm sorry so sean let's folks let's make this clear I'm sorry, Sarah. I wasn't actually listening to you. Is what he should have said. No, no, no. I was listening, but then I started looking this up, and I uh, and I looked at it first, and I missed all that. His brain was, can only handle so much. It was what Roxy had said. So Sean, Sean, you should apologize yeah. to Roxy for not yeah. actually listening. I'm sorry, to her. Roxy. I'm sorry, Sarah. You, I'm sorry, eh? Jesus. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> I'm sorry, Buddha. <laughs> I'm sorry, Buddha. Sorry, I'm sorry, Buddha, fucking John Krishna, Travolta. John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Tom Cruise. He's, he's my patron saint in the Church of Science. And before we forget two other awesome roles from Ellen Rickman, because, I mean, God, this guy did so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Sweeney Todd. We've talked about Sweeney Todd in here. Oh, he was so good in that. As Judge Turpin. Mm -hmm. Um, Acting-wise, yes. Singing-wise, Well, I mean, the singing was lacking in that entire movie. Russell Crowe, but... (laughs) (laughs) We can forget He's better than Russell Crowe. Oh, Brian, can we do On a scale of Russell (laughs) Crowe... Alan Rickman. Can we do? No, 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 can we do no. one of us doing Alan Rickman and the other one doing Russell Crowe? That would be the ultimate singing. Rickman off. Uh, sure, I can do the Russell Crowe. Do it now. Pretty easy. Like right now. Now. Yeah, you just have to sound like Marley Matlin. No, you should do. <laughs> so you should wrong. do it during quotes. We shouldn't say during sex. But, okay. There will be no revolution. We will nip it in the bud. One more day till revolution. Oh, well, I'm sorry. This whole song was called One Day More. Come on. I know. One day more. <laughs> I'm just picturing Marley Maitland. <laughs> One day. All right, all right. That's getting just a little too Like I said before, what I are we c- worried about? The deaf people hearing our Jesus, audio podcast? Shut <laughs> Akbar! No, we're worried about the blind people revolting. <laughs> how do you know there's not against like, us? How do you know there's not like some person out there who's been tra- transcribing our podcast and then they're just reading it and they just get um, very incensed. You know what? <laughs> Deaf people can get cochlear implants. Fuck yeah. And then hear again and then hear your insensitivity, Sean. <laughs> hey, but guess you what? Down. You know what? Deaf people want to be treated like everybody else, don't they? That's, they don't want to yeah. be like put pigeonholed. So guess what? I'm bringing them into my world of how I offend and try to make fun of everyone. That is what you do. Equality. Speaking of pigeons, <laughs> did Alan Rickman ever do the voiceover role? Yes, he did. Yeah. Like a he talking did, animal? He did, uh, mm-hmm. well, he did a couple. Uh, for, for talking animals, he did the caterpillar. That's right. Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland. And which he will, he will be reprising, in, or he had reprised in Alice Through the Looking Glass. Nice. So that'll be his one of his two movies that will be released posthumously. Um, posthumously. Gonna, post, isn't it posthumously? Posthumously. <laughs> posthumously. I like the way you dictate yourself. It was just funny. Don't I was, you get all smug just because you ain't out words correctly. <laughs> Don't hate me because you ate me. It was just funny. It, was, it will be released posthumously. That's, that's when I, was, when I was listening to the, the posthumous episode. Oh, God. And I'm like, and <laughs> every single time I heard when you guys kind of stumble over posthumous, in my head I'm just in there going... Posthumous. It's posthumous. posthumous. Fucking English major. <laughs> Whatever. 
So anyway, um, where were we? What were we talking uh, about? Fishtail. He was you in a fishtail. We were talking about his posh tumors uh, movies that are coming. <laughs> his yeah. posh spicy. <laughs> so, so he. Well, what we were talking about was did he do voiceovers? He did Joe in a fishtail. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's one. He's got such a great voice. He was also How the depressed robot in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. which was awesome. <laughs> he was the. That's best. what I always said. Because of that role, he should have done that character in ambient commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his voice. And that performance um, really kind of was, I, I mean, it's that's what made the movie for me. Because, I mean, that movie was only, no, right. Um, it, it, what, Fishtail? No, no, no. Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, Hitchhiker's. Um, but interesting fact. So, you know, Alan Rickman and um, Warwick Davis were obviously both in Harry Potter, right? In the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, Alan Rickman did the voice of Marvin the robot. Uh, Warwick Davis was the actor in the costume. Huh. So they yeah. actually played the same role. It's a small Yeah. yeah. Ooh, hey, you know what? Alan Rickman is probably the only voice in that movie that anybody that read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy after that movie, that's probably everybody at least had that one voice that they couldn't escape in their head reading his part. Yeah. yeah. Which mean, is interesting yeah. because, I mean, Hitchhiker's has such a long history of, of having radio plays and yeah. um, radio stories and, and whatnot, but Alan Rickman's was just too good. Yeah, <laughs> you guys. That's, one it, of my favorite portrayals of Rickman, just in a in a cartoon platform, was uh, the impression they did of him on Family Guy. <laughs> they, <laughs> they did a cutaway. Is, that's where like, I. That's my impression is of that impression like anyway. Alan's voicemail machine. <laughs> yeah, We've reached the voicemail Hello. of Alan Rickman. <laughs> Hello, Alan. This is Alan. Don't forget the turtle joke at the party. What would it sound like if Alan, the intrusive hipster ghost? And Alan Rickman made a baby. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? Alan Rickman is Alan's father. Like <laughs> they're related. <laughs> and disappointed father, maybe. Yeah. Alan Rickman's <laughs> way cooler than Alan the intrusive hipster ghost. I, I don't even well, know where to begin. They're frolicking in the afterlife together, and they're they're working on all their forgiveness. Which didn't. And... Oh man, I almost went somewhere dark. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I was just about to, in my head running through. I was like, okay, so Alan's Alan Rickman's dad. Alan committed suicide to escape his dad's disapproval, <laughs> oh and then god. the only thing worse that could happen to him was that Alan Rickman died so that they have to be on the same plane of existence and now he's judging him again. Wow. That was my wow. <laughs> Sean, you this is the first time I think on the show that you've ever almost Akbarred yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Congratulations. I, do, I saw it all play out in my head and I was like, nah. No. <laughs> Here is your... Uh, wait, I think wait, I'm going to leave all bag. that wait, in wait, though. Wait, 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 wait. Sean bag. has an internal filter? <laughs> We've created. I am shocked. <laughs> this is like it evolution. Gets, it gets better every year. Are you are you upgrading? By that are he means evolving? weaker. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then how could we possibly forget mentioning this? Alan Rickman was in the wonderful, timeless love actually. Oh, and of course. he was a jerk. <laughs> he was a jerk. Yeah. A classic Alan. <laughs> classic Alan Rickman. Um, you don't do that to your wife. <laughs> I, that's you don't do that to anybody you're with. Man, woman, beast. Well, man, woman, beast, trisexual. We not in Michigan this in the Oscar episode. Um, anyway, well, I mean, especially to Emma Thompson. Come oh on. no, one, you don't yeah. do Emma Thompson wrong. Emma man. Thompson's all three. Right. <laughs> Shut up. What? Um, <laughs> I love Emma Thompson. I'm sorry. Emma Th- hashtag Emma Thompson rules. Lady on the street, freaking the sheets. What? What? <laughs> 
Do you have you have you met Miss Thompson? How many leaps? Let's say I biblically know Emma Thompson. I feel like we were on a roller coaster, and then we realized that we were in the movie Final Destination three, and we've completely gone off the track. You know what? You know what? Donald Trump is on the Republican ticket, so my brain is off. Like I am in a state. That's no excuse. Folks, I'm just gonna. <laughs> Donald Trump is an excuse for anything. Folks, I'm just gonna explicate what Roxy just said and see if you can put it together in your head. I, like, okay, I want an asshole, Brian. I want to know what leap she made internally to get to this point. Well, I can I can help with that. I'm Canadian. We, we, we mentioned a, a woman that has used her vibrator a lot in college. Yeah. <laughs> and also really likes Sense and Sensibility, which was written by Emma Thompson. You do the math. Uh, fuck you guys. I'm the Segway Queen. Let's do this, bitch. That's the most gangster you've ever been, Roxy. (laughs) I'm putting thug life music behind that shit. (laughs) I may be Canadian, I may be brown, but I can throw down. Wait, did Emma Thompson adapt Sense and Sensibility? What? Did Emma Thompson adapt Sense and Sensibility? She yes. didn't write it because obviously Jane Austen obviously wrote it. Obviously, Jane Austen wrote it. No, she wrote the script for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, she and she, she adapted it. Posthumously, she won the Oscar <laughs> for that. Actually, okay, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So we um, should do an episode on Emma Thompson. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, we should do an episode on the difference between Emma Thompson and uh, Liam Neeson's wife, Natasha Richardson. I okay. <laughs> one's alive and I, one's dead. <laughs> I I have to talk about dogma. Do it. I'm gonna zip my lips. Go. We friend. got to talk because about because the story goes that Smith had always wanted the voice of God to be British. But as it turns out, they're like, let's. He he had the people who were shopping out actors give it to Rickman just to tr- give it a try, just to see what would happen. They weren't expecting anything from it. In fact, just the tip. In fact, <laughs> in fact, just once, just to see what'll happen. In fact, they were told he was told, okay, don't expect anything from it. He's usually very picky about his films. He probably probably will say no. The next day, he calls back and says, "Are the wings going to be real? Or are they going to be?" Uh, are they going to be computer? And he said, that, well, he'll probably have them in a harness for most of the shots. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Like, that was his only concern, was whether the wings were going to be real or not. He loved the script, signed on, hurt his back pretty seriously. Because, because of the wings. <laughs> because of the wings, ironically. But he was such, such a trooper. Um, just the work ethic that he brought to the film was awesome. But not only that, just that Smith was elated that the voice of Hans Gruber was the voice of God. Like, that was the coolest part. And beyond that, I mean, the reason why he sent him the script in the first place was because Alan Rickman had had said in an interview that Chasing Amy was his favorite movie of that year. Yes, that's that's, true. That's the reason why Kevin Smith sent it to him. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, even Kevin Smith was, like, kind of telling everybody, like, dude, we got Alan Rickman on this. Like, the, the... class of this set has now elevated yeah exactly and, 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 t- and he tells jason muse like yeah. don't fuck this up right and so he's like he's like don't waste his time you need to know your lines for your scenes with him and jason muse who admittedly was super duper on drugs at the time and struggling with his issues memorized the whole script mm. of the fucking movie wow. so he wouldn't p- quote piss off that rickman dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's totally and don't piss off that rickman dude so yeah i mean he elevated uh he elevated the whole the whole set which is amazing and he just he has such he delivered those lines so well 
earnestly. So earnestly. Just I love so the whole. Tell someone you're the miniature and they stare at you blankly. Mention something French out in the movie and all of a sudden everyone's a theology scholar. May I continue <laughs> uninterrupted? <laughs> I love, yeah, he's so quippy. Like when he first appears and he's like, do you douse everyone that walks into your bedroom at night and fire retardant chemicals? No wonder you're single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sweet Jesus. <laughs> like, do you have to use the whole fucking can? <laughs> like, I just love how he's the voice of God, but he's swearing. Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you doing? Who are you? I'm pissed off. <laughs> pissed off is what I am. And, and the, uh, the Ken doll prosthetic. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. right. Just don't kill me or rape me. Rape you? I couldn't rape you if I wanted to. Angels <laughs> are inequipped. See? Unzips uh, his pants. No dick. I'm going to tell him that is a candle. Oh his, his role in that movie, even though he's probably only in it for a total of maybe 10 to 12, 13 minutes. Steals he, the movie. He steals the movie and all of his parts are parts that get like tell you so much backstory and stuff mm-hmm. that give these little details. Like when he when they can't drink, when he gives the whole story about how they can't drink alcohol. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it sets up the, I don't want to say the mythology, but the the real setting of there's so much about this realm that you do not know and kind of doing his role in the hero's journey of like being yeah. the messenger, the call to action. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, yeah, just, oh, nailed it. Yeah, he nailed totally it. nailed it. Um, I also love <laughs> in that particular scene at the end, since when he brings it all together and he's like, well, I say we get drunk because I'm all out of ideas. Um, <laughs> no, he totally does that. He plays, and it's funny you say that he's the messenger because uh, in Catholic theology, there's nothing that says the Metatron is an angel, mm-hmm. but Smith made him an angel, which is, I think, funny because that's essentially what a messenger is supposed to be. Angel yeah. is the office that they hold, so mm-hmm. to speak. So uh, They were not elected, Brian, so it's not a fucking office. It is their position, I should say. <laughs> Um, like missionary, doggy style, reverse cowgirl, angel. And Augustine is rolling in his grave. Um, Sarah, that was fucking awesome. I'm going to write that one down. So, wow. Missionary, I I, angel. I am a seraphim, the highest choir of angels. You do know what an angel is, don't you? So anyway, um, he, he definitely added a really awesome layer of of not only just exposition, but of he added, he took that and having a role that your job is mostly just to deliver exposition yeah. is so hard to add depth to and add layers to. And yet he he did it masterfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and sucks that they never got to work together again because Kevin Smith had Rickman, he was going to play a character in Hit Somebody. He was going to play Lord Stanley, the guy who was named after the Stanley Cup for mm. Um, but also, he when he wrote the script, he was going to have Alan Rickman narrate it. He was so dead set on Rickman doing it that he didn't even write in narrator in the script. It says Alan Rickman <laughs> is the voice. And he was totally on board to do it. And then, you know, unfortunately, the pancreatic cancer, which no one knew he had, no apparently. One knew he, had. he kept yeah. a secret. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of being dead set. Wow. Do you want to talk about how he's the 70th person in the Harry Potter franchise to pass away? I know, 70th? right? 70th. Yeah, and he died almost at the age of 70? Crazy fact about that. What does it say? It's like a... And then there's like a, another actor who died like right after him, also of pancreatic cancer, also out. one month after. So one Roger month before Lloyd he turned 70. Pack. 
Um, so he died the day before the actor Roger Lloyd Pack's second death anniversary, who also died from pancreatic mm, cancer. Right, yes. That's in a month before his 70 ber- 70th birthday. I mean, mm-hmm. pancreatic cancer is so... There's two forms of it, and the kind that is much more rare is the kind that is the, the one that you have a chance of living from. The kind that's much more common is, unfortunately, the one that is pretty much a death sentence. It's taken... Patrick uh, Patrick Swayze. It's taken Rickman. It's taken Steve Jobs too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 a fuck of a of a disease and I, fuck I, cancer by the way because cancer yeah. has taken yeah. away so many people we love this year, including David Bowie by the way. Yeah, I know, and um, and even but and Bowie kept his cancer a secret as well. Yeah, um, but Bowie, you know, being the artist that he is, did very specifically so his album that was released posthumously mm-hmm. <laughs> would um, effortless would. Also, be you know his his goodbye, his kind of like his last hurrah on this planet of kind of saying like this is everything I need to say, and I'm glad the media didn't say it for me. Hell yeah, yeah. So. And I'm glad that the media's portrayal or coverage of Rickman's legacy has mm-hmm. been really complimentary and really yeah. loving. I think nobody well, had a bad thing to say. I don't think so. I mean, even like you know Daniel Radcliffe, you know, just he he was very. You know, he only had good things to say about there, him. There are for... two things I will say I will add mm-hmm. about that, about how everyone loved him. Daniel Radcliffe and Kevin Smith both said something very similar, which was that Rickman came to see every play that Radcliffe did. Mm-hmm. He saw him in Equus. He saw him in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. He was so supportive of all his friends. Uh, every time he was in New, he was in L.A., he called Kevin Smith and said, we should have dinner. Mm. Um and apparently this is a funny bit, too. So he, he was calling Kevin Smith just to talk to him. And mentioned how I finally caved and bought a, an apartment in New York because mm-hmm. he's there so much. And he lives in the same building as Ray Fiennes. And he's like, no shit. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't tell anyone because all these Potter fans, if they find out that Voldemort and Snape live in the same building, there'll be no end of it. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, speaking of Natasha Richardson with the Emma Thompson connection. Oh, my God. It's like six degrees of Alan Rickman here. Um, he attended her funeral. Yeah. So they yeah. all kind of knew each other. They were all part of the same scene. Well, yeah. and I mean, yeah, the, yeah. the British acting community is... You know, aside, you know, when you move to Hollywood, that's different. But when you're, you know, still on, you know, the the British Isle there, um, mm-hmm. the it's a very tight knit group. It's because mm-hmm. there just aren't that many actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're approximately. I mean, they're not. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot, but it's like you, like you get around. Like think about like kind of the South Bay theater community yeah. around here. Like everybody knows everybody, mm-hmm. or like the Australian community. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally how it is there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Few and far between. Um, I know they didn't go to school together because she went to Oxford and he went to Rada. So um, they're about the same age range. So that's that's probably also because they act together, Maybe? acted together in a few films. Well, I mean, if you think about like Alan Rickman was in Love Actually with Emma Thompson and Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson definitely died after Love Actually came out. So I'm assuming that maybe Alan Rickman knew Liam Neeson, became friends with him. You know, or maybe cetera, Alan Rickman tried to ki- kidnap Natasha Richardson, and Liam Neeson got pissed and tried to kill him, and, and was running around and building barefoot trying <laughs> yeah. to kill him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, you guys were wrong. You guys said that uh, there, that nobody had any bad words to say about him. Oh God, don't start. There now. was a tweet from um, 
their handle on Twitter is at Yippie but the name oh, is John um, McLean. <laughs> John McLean was like, thank goodness this motherfucker's dead. <laughs> Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. Wow, actually, let's talk. I would expect nothing less from Bruce Willis. I'm just Let, saying. Let's talk about the uh, Hans Gruber death scene oh in Die Hard. So. That's like my favorite. So, fun fact, he actually did fall 20 feet onto, um, you know, giant airbag or whatever over a green screen. But the stunt guy who was helping him, you know, do the shot or whatever, um, released him on two, not on three. And so that look, <laughs> so the look of shock <laughs> on Alan Rickman's face was legit. Like, he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Best single take ever. Because he think... wasn't expecting it. And then also, apparently, they kept having to cut, like, do shortcuts on these scenes when uh, whenever um, Hans Gruber was firing a gun because Alan Rickman kept uncontrollably flinching every single time he fired the gun. Which is interesting to me because usually those guns are blanks, so they don't have kickback. But the sound alone, yeah, is so shot. loud. I mean, if yeah. you're a jumpy yeah. person, I I know I am. I'd for sure, would for have sure. a hard time with that. Yeah, <sighs> totally, totally. Um, that, that's that's an awesome fact. Mm-hmm. Fun yeah. fact to share about it. I also just love you said it earlier too that <laughs> that J.K. Rowling pretty much like got her wish and mm-hmm. she got to cast the person she I wanted just, in that part. I love so much that he was pretty much one of the few who knew the the whole arc, yeah, the entire time. And every time someone would would ask him like, "What do you know?" He'd say, "It's a secret." And then when they finally filmed the last one, it, then that all came to light. It's just like. I mean, he should have been nominated for the Oscar for yeah. episode episode seven <laughs> for um, HP seven, like or it, with the HP eight, right? It's one of those things where when you know films. that, and definitely Hallows, basically. Yeah, yeah. when you when you know the arc, and I guess you watch the the movies, and I and I say this having seen parts of many of them but only two of them in their entirety seriously sarah yeah i know i know but but um when you know the arc of you know snape and lily and that whole thing and then you Mm -hmm. go back and you see how alan rickman is looking at harry potter how snape looks at harry potter like it makes so much sense and you can really see the the subtext in there that you know, it wasn't so obvious before. Totally. Yeah. I saw this YouTube com- compilation video of Snape's entire arc from childhood. Because, you know, they had so many clips throughout mm-hmm. the entire right. film series um, and flashbacks and things like that. Um, especially when Harry goes into, uses the pen to even, you know, sees Snape's memories and things like that. Um, and yeah, the first, I mean, when we you watch Chamber of Secrets and you see how he looks at Harry and Harry has that moment where he flinches with his scar. You know, you know that Snape is putting all of his just grief and resentment and fear into that one interaction because he knows what Harry means and he knows the shit that's about to start. And, you know, their final interaction where it's really just this confrontation of, you know, how dare you use my spells against me? I'm the half-blood prince, you little fucking prick. You know? Like, you have no idea what you're fucking dealing with. I've been holding on to this for years. The way that Rickman played that, God, that was just perfect. Well, just the look he gives him after Voldemort has, you know, used a wand to slit his throat, which is... And Nagini attacked him and all that shit. 
heartbreaking. Just the look he gives him as he's laying there dying. Like that. Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> I know. I'm like, really? He does that? If Gina hasn't given oh. enough to this podcast. Yeah. So listeners. No, no, so, it's okay. You don't have to explain it to me. Keep going with it. Yeah. Um, by the way, Potterthon, it's happening. You have to participate. I, you know, I've oh, now yeah. seen the first one and then I've seen Goblet of Fire all the way through and I will make my way through the other ones. Oh, my, Sarah, you've seen leisure. less than me. And I just, I never watched the last two. Shame. I watched them all except for the Deathly yeah. Hollows. Shame. I, I'm, I will proceed at my leisure. <laughs> I guess I am a kind of a hardcore Potter fan because I read all the books and seen all the movies. I saw the midnight showing of uh, Deathly Hollows Part 1. Yeah. And I biked home that night, like, terrified. Because every corner I saw was like, there's a Death Eater. There's a Death Eater. I, there's a Death Eater. The, oh, fuck, I'm going to get eaten by a I fucking mean, Death Eater. Or, or a Dementor. Like, or whatever, yes, yeah. yes, reading all the books <laughs> and watching all the movies. But I have friends who have read the books all the books at least three times and have watched the movies more times than that so they're those movies are fucking great i mean i know people talk about how they would have loved to have seen a harry potter as a television series i mean oh god the depths you could have gone to with a tv series especially if it had been premium cable you know yeah um but with those films man they're classics you you can go no do no wrong especially because of what we were able to pull with the rickman performances yeah so, so legacy. We we have two films that we can look forward to to see the last bit of his acting. One, of course, as we mentioned before, was Alice mm, Through the Looking yeah. Glass, uh, where he reprises his role as the caterpillar, the butterfly, I guess, at this point. Yeah. But he was the what caterpillar. Even butterfly. Um, God, I'm, that's just disappointing. I really did not like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, but um, the last one is uh, Eye in the Sky, where he plays this British general, um, and it's this whole moral argument of they have a drone that has their sights on a terrorist cell but there's also a hostage inside there and if they bomb that terrorist cell they know that a they're potentially risking preventing another horrendous terrorist attack that is being planned or b if they do it by also doing that they're going to kill an innocent life and that's good the backfire of that is going to be colossal nice that's a good cast as well it's helen mirren aaron paul and barkhad abdi from mm-hmm. captain phillips he plays yes. the somali pirate yeah he's the i'm the captain yeah. now guy mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and so it's a really really well um brian say that again the, i'm the captain now <laughs> so that was look an alan rickman look, accent look, look i'm the me. captain now no do do it alan rickman as snape doing it <laughs> jesus christ layer it layer it mr potter I'm the captain now. No, it's I'm the captain now. Now. <laughs> okay, okay. Now yes, do it. Yes, I'm the captain of your Quidditch team. Okay, now do it as Sean <laughs> no. doing an impression of you doing an impression of Snape. It's Impressionception. See <laughs> so if you can get yourself out of this one, Leo. Impressionception is the name of this new segment where you have to do it. There has to be at least two layers. You have to do somebody doing an impression of Oh, else. I Usually will, it's Brian doing impression of someone or Sean doing impression of Brian. I, I, I will do that once my nose stops bleeding because you've, <laughs> you've, you've confused me so much that my nose, they would now attest my nose is Having bleeding it, profusely. Uh, Rickman aneurysm? Oh, a Rickmanism. Rickmanism. Yeah. I love it. So needless to say, Alan Rickman has had a huge impact on us and I think he's really going to be missed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Severely. He, yeah. I, he just, I felt like he had so much more to give as an actor, but, you know, we, that's not for us to say, I guess. And 
Um, it's like I'm like scared for Ian McKellen and Patrick. Stewart oh my God! Like, I, <laughs> well, there's no one left. You cursed him, Roxy. You jinxed him. Oh, Thanks, fuck. fucker. It's God damn it. It's one of those things like you just because of the fact that they're so iconic, and because they have given so much to the film community, they are going to live on in those films. Yeah. So, uh, and he'll always live on as Snape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. <laughs> well. On that sad note, <laughs> why don't we get into feedback? Listener feedback. Yeah. Other than our normal Twitter and Facebook engagement, which we always thank you for, um, we haven't really gotten any email feedback uh, lately. But then again, we also only recorded like a week ago, before yeah. tonight. So there's still a little bit of time to catch up. Um, so Sarah, why don't you tell us how our listeners can send us feedback? <sighs> Um, yeah that's an option um you can also write it in sidewalk chalk and then chisel out that piece of concrete and mail it to us because we do have a p.o box um but the more practical option is to go to nerdonomy.com click that talk to us button it sends an email right to all of our inboxes or you can hit us up on social media if you just search for nerdonomy on facebook instagram twitter you will find us i promise you that um but while you are on our website, if you are just poking around in there, you can also buy a t-shirt, you can give a donation, anything like that. But the most important thing that you can do for us is to spread the word of nerd like a black like bird, bird turd. turd. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, um, oh, by the way, if you do raise feedback, don't be a dick. Just, just, just going to throw that out there. But no. Nah, fuck it. If you're gonna, yeah, if you want to be a dick, send it to Sean Mo at nerdonomy.com. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> if you want to be a dick, I can out dick you. That's it. Just it. I mean, it. or just don't write feedback intending on being a dick. That's always good. If yeah, you, we always if you accidentally come across as a little bit of a dick, we're usually pretty forgiving. Uh, but sometimes when you're blatantly a dick, then we just don't read your shit on the air. <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah, but no, I want the opposite, and I will read it on the air. And Even if you love too. our show, send me an email where you're pretending to be a dick. Put a little yeah. disclaimer, like, I'm pretending to be an you asshole. Know what, Sean? And I'll read it for humor's sake. In the behavioral modification community, we call this sanction-seeking behavior. <laughs> I don't know how many favors you're doing for yourself. Yeah, you're really... Yeah, yeah. Oh, snap! She just dropped Wait, some psychology on you. If you want to troll us and show us how miserable of a person you really are, you can email Sean at seanmo at nerdonomy.com. No, but you... for the most part, I was like, no, I want... <laughs> I want them to pretend. If you want, I want a psychological someone that loves assessment. our show to send us one that's hilarious. Yeah. Ben, I know Ben will do it. Yeah, Ben's done it come before. Come on, Ben. Steven, you gots to. Brett, come on, bro. Mm-hmm. Waiting Athena, on you, Brett. you can come up with something great. They're just roasting us at that point, and that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, roasting is different than being a dick. Steven yeah. is Steven roast. So is that still roast sanctification? Roast. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sanctified versimilitude. Yeah, is that still sacrosanct? Oh, sanction? you mean your sacrosanct sanction? You please explain <laughs> yeah. in um, layman's terms. Sanction seeking behavior. It's when you're yes. looking for trouble. Booking for trouble. And oh, yeah, I'm always pacing. looking for trouble. If that's all, you could have just said that. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way Roxy said it better, though. Yeah, it's very <laughs> psychological. She uh, sounded real smart. I'm a psychological Googleizer. Googleizer. <laughs> We have raped the English language <laughs> tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and we apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I'm a Canuck. Wow. Canuck? Isn't that a place where, like, you hang plates? Or... Sure, Brian. Oh, that's just a nook. That's I'm sorry. That's just a nook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Hanging on the Canuck. 
Easily confused, but not quite. We need to get the hell out of here. That's yeah. Brian. Uh, <laughs> nerds, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Suri boot it. Peace. We're sorry. <laughs> and roll credits. Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. The following people are to be released from their captors. In Northern Ireland, the seven members of New Provo Front. In Canada, the five imprisoned leaders of the Liberté de Québec. In Sri Lanka, the nine members of the Asian Dawan movement. <laughs> you sound like Trey Parker uh, and doing an impression of Alan Rickman. I read about them in Time magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I like it.